Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Every week, we get a chance to share the love of Jesus through music, art, and biblical teaching, and we're so glad that you're here to be a part of it. Let's get started. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to, uh, to fill in for Jeff, and uh, I would be kind of Every once in a while, I would say, are you okay? You need a break? Whatever. And eventually, yes, Stacy was the one that said uh, he needs some help. So I'm glad to do it. And I'm glad to kind of follow up on where we were at last week by, first of all, asking for those of you that were here last week, how'd you do? Uh, I left you with an assignment and something that we were to do every day. And... Uh, We'll find out uh, exactly how successful we were at that. And if you're wondering what in the world we're talking about, well, and Jeff kind of gave a, a little bit of an intro, but we're, I left you last week with the task of one time a day, at least one time a day, to say, tell someone that you know that you are proud of them. Um, you know, just, hey, just want you to know, because we're following the ways of Jesus, and Jesus was an encourager. And he never really said those words, or at least we don't have him written in the Bible that he said, I'm proud of you. But he had a, a way of saying to people, you did great. That was awesome. You get it. You're seeing things that people have never seen before. Way to go. And we began last week kind of with this idea that instead of just, if we want to do something different, Instead of just trying really, really hard, which is what we've traditionally done, I want to do something new. I want to do something different. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to try really, really hard. But what oftentimes happens is, is our trying doesn't, well, doesn't make it. We, we, whatever it is we're trying to do, we fail. I mean, for instance... Um, maybe you set a New Year's resolution. What was that, 19 days ago? Uh, and you'll probably not be surprised to know that statistics say 80% of people who set a New Year's resolution fail. Um, there's even, I saw this week, um, a health app. It's called Strava. I use it when I run. And um, they kind of tracked people who set a New Year's resolution to do something healthy, and they figured out that the average person who started on New Year's Day has failed and stopped by January 12th. Okay, that was last Sunday. Done. Over. You know what they're doing. What happens so often is people are trying to do something different instead of training. And so we are what Jesus was about. And Jesus was about training his disciples, his Talmudim, these apprentices. He was about training them to do something different. I mean, if you want to, you know, speak French, you don't just say, I'm going to try really hard to speak French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. That's about all you learn. But if you want to learn to speak French, you got to do what? You got to train. And so that's kind of how it is for us. If we want to be like this rabbi of ours this, and be his Talmudim, we've got to do something different and train to do that. So the definition that we began with last week was a, or yeah, a definition, 
is from a, um, an author named Dallas Willard. Author, writer, professor, great mind, great Christian mind. And he put it this way. If you were here last week, this is a review. If you weren't, here's the definition we're working with. Authentic transformation really is possible if we are willing to arrange our lives around those practices that Jesus engaged in to receive life and power from the Father. Authentic transformation. Real change really is possible. How? By trying really, really hard? No. By arranging our lives around those things that Jesus did. So in essence, we ask the question that we used many, many years ago, what what would Jesus do? Well, before you would know what would Jesus do, you got to ask another question. What did Jesus do? And that's what we're kind of going through step by step. We said last week, he encouraged. He was an encourager. And in various ways, he showed his pride. He said, I'm proud of you. And so we're trying to do the same thing. Now, let me ask the question. Um, how'd you do? The task was one time a day, at least once, say to somebody, I'm proud of you. So let me ask a question. Did any, was anybody able to do it every day this week? One person. Did anybody do it, uh, let's say, six or five times this week, okay? Yeah, that's better. Um, I got it done every day. I had to think about it. I had to remind myself. And maybe if you're sitting there and if you were here last week and you thought, dude, I've just, I blew that. I didn't do it at all. Okay, let's stop for a minute and ask ourselves some questions. Why? I mean, if you were here and you heard me and maybe you left here and you said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try. I, I, I'm going to try. And maybe you failed. So let's ask ourselves some questions. First of all, what went wrong? What, what went wrong? Why, why didn't it happen? Why weren't we able to do it? Maybe you thought, well, that's, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. You know, or maybe we're too proud you know, to look at somebody and say, hey, I'm, really, I'm proud of you. Maybe we thought it was, you know, maybe you just forgot. Maybe. Or it's not how you were raised. Have you heard that excuse? Well, that's not how I was raised. Well, get over it. <laughs> or maybe you just didn't think you could. Well, let me see if I can help you a little bit with that idea because I think this is important and maybe will help us as we're making this journey together to become more and more like Jesus' followers, his Talmudim. Here's what Dallas Willard said, and I like this. He said, grace is God acting in your life to accomplish what you cannot accomplish on your own. Grace, God's grace, is God acting in your life to accomplish what you cannot accomplish on your own. Those of us that would call ourselves Jesus followers. I think oftentimes when we hear the word grace, we kind of, we've been programmed to think that that is something that you only need when you first come to Jesus. 
when you first receive his forgiveness, when you first trust him as your savior. You say to yourself, it's not me, it's not my actions, it's not what I do, but it's what Jesus did for me. It's what Jesus did on the cross on my behalf. It's his grace. And that's a good thing, and that's a great idea, but I think we often kind of get the idea that that's all grace does, and that after we've trusted Jesus, we don't need it anymore. That is an incredible misreading of the Bible, especially even in the later part, the latter parts of the New Testament. Grace is talked about over and over and over, not just for coming to Christ, but for all of life. Yes, grace is what God offers us in Jesus, free gift, but that's not the end of our need for grace. Grace is God acting in your life, acting in your life on a continual basis to accomplish what you cannot accomplish on your own. For instance, can you just decide you're going to be a more loving person? What do we normally say? I'm going to try. I'm going to try really hard. What do you need to do that to become a more loving person? I'll tell you what you need. You need grace. God acting in your life to accomplish what you cannot accomplish on your own. Let's say you decide that you are going to be more forgiving. And what we've traditionally done is we've said, I'm going to try to be more forgiving. And what do we do? We fail. What do we need? We need grace. Grace, God acting in my life to accomplish what I cannot accomplish on my own. Let's say you decide that you're not, I don't want to worry anymore. I, don't, I want to be more patient. I want to be more encouraging. And so what have we done? We try really, really hard. Do we succeed not often. What do we do? We fail. What do we need? We need grace. Grace is God in action, accomplishing in my life what I cannot accomplish on my own. Dallas Willard even goes on to add this. He says, grace is God in action available to me when? Now. Not back, just back then, not in the future, but available to me right now. Not just when I die, not just to get me into heaven, but to help me do right now what I cannot do on my own. See, I said it before and I'll say it again. Here's the confusion. We get this idea that grace is this, you know, is the unmerited free gift of God accepted at salvation. And it is, but it is so much more. Because grace is even... Well, we need it way after that. I mean, for instance, I got dismissed, if you will, quotes. I got dismissed from my former denomination that I pastored for many years. And I got dismissed for apparently saying that after you trust Jesus, maybe you ought to do something with your life that actually reflects that you've trusted Jesus. Wow. That'd be a good idea. And you know what? That is exactly what I was saying then. Amen. And that's exactly what I'm saying now. Again, Dallas Willard, he says, grace doesn't make us passive. 
We tend to think that grace makes you passive because if you did anything, that would be works and works is opposed to grace. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't earn God's forgiveness. I know that and hopefully you know that too. But sometimes we get this idea that, oh, we can't do anything. He goes on. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. See, you don't earn grace. It, it, it just is. It's reality. It's God in action, doing what we can accomplish on our own. In other words, we need help. I need help. You need help. To accomplish what we cannot accomplish on our own, we need God's help to be changed, to be transformed, redirected to stop our automatic responses and instead recenter ourselves on those things that Jesus did to receive life and power from the Father. So, if you failed this week, okay? If you didn't get it done every day, or maybe you only did it once, or maybe didn't do it at all. If you failed, um, well, you need some grace. You need some help. God acting to do what you cannot accomplish on your own. So what's next? What are we going to add to our repertoire of things to be and act and do like Jesus, to become his Talmudim? Well, I'm not going to show, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to show you. But first, let's go back to our definition of where we started and remind ourselves of what we're doing here. Dallas Willard. He said, authentic transformation really is possible if we're willing to arrange our lives around those practices that Jesus engaged in to receive life and power from the Father. So we're going to look around the Bible, look around the New Testament and see what was it that Jesus did that we can do as well with his help and power. First one, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is about to feed the 5,000. And before he does that, he does this. It says, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he did what? He gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. The very next chapter, Matthew 15, he's now about to feed 4,000 people and it says then he took the seven loaves and the fish and when he had what given thanks he broke them and gave them to the disciples and they in turn to the people two places right there before Jesus did anything he stopped and what he gave thanks the night before he died Jesus is gathered in the room celebrating the Passover meal. And before he does that, look what he says. Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and what? And gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and what? Gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it 
all of you. It's interesting to note in that verse, the word give thanks in the original Greek is the word eucharizomai. may sound like a word maybe you've heard before. Eucharizomai sounds like the word Eucharist. That's what some denominations call the Lord's Supper. It comes from the Greek word, which is actually two words crammed together. Eu, E-U, and charizomai. E-U is the word for well, and charizomai is, comes from the word charis, which actually is the word for grace, for gift. So a Eucharist is a well-given gift. He stopped, and before he gave his body, his blood, the bread, the wine, he stopped, and he what? He gave thanks. He eucharizomied it and gave thanks for it. One more place, John chapter 11. Jesus is just about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Of course, nobody knew he was about to do that, but before he said the words, he, it says this, so they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Just in a casual way, five places in the New Testament where Jesus is recorded giving thanks for what it was he was about to do or he was about to give. And there's many more, but this was something that Jesus really didn't have to... He's not recorded a lot doing this because he didn't have to be recorded because this was so much ingrained into the culture of first century Israel. Jesus and his disciples, Jesus was a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. The disciples were his Talmudim and they were so ingrained in this culture because they gave thanks for everything. Literally, they gave thanks for everything, for the sunshine, for the rain, for bread, for wine. They gave thanks before they went to bed. They gave thanks when they woke up in the morning. Literally, I mean, from the food that they ate to the bowel movement they had, they gave thanks. Yes, they really did. They gave thanks when they pooped. And he's like, what an odd thing to do. Well, yeah, but if you've ever not pooped, <laughs> when you do, what do you say? Thank you. <laughs> That's how ingrained thanks was in the Jewish culture. They, here's what they would say before they would eat a meal, before when they would get up in the morning, before they would go to bed, they would say these words, Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech aholam. Did you get that? Repeat after me. No. <laughs> Translated it means, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave us this, who gave us this wine, who gave us this bread who gave us this day, who gave us this rain. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. All the way through their day, they would give thanks to God. Why? Because they saw God as the source of everything they had. Not only that, but because they saw God in everything. Everything. 
they had. It was so much a part of who they were and what they had and what they were given. It was because God, that breath that they just took, Baruch Atah Adonai Elohim Malekaholam. Blessed are you, King of the universe, who gave me that breath. That's how they saw it. And so for Jesus to, before he fed 4,000 or 5,000, or before he gave them bread and wine, what did he do? He blessed it. He gave thanks for it. He gave us an example that we should do it as well. But what do we give thanks for? I mean, okay, maybe you bow your head and pray before a meal. Thank God for the food. Um, maybe at Thanksgiving, you know, we have this special day. We gather around the table and we all say, thank you for your many blessings. Um, maybe you give thanks that after you go by that cop and you were speeding, <laughs> right? And the first prayer is, oh God, please, 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 don't let him pull out, don't let him pull out, don't let him pull out. And when you go on by and they don't pull out, what do you say? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we get real thankful then. <laughs> but gratitude, appreciation, acknowledging God as the source of everything was a regular daily practice that Jesus engaged in. So if we're going to be like him, if we're going to be a Talmudim, one of his apprentices, we need to do the same thing. So we started out simple last week and we just said, in the next seven days, we're going to find one person and we're going to say, I'm proud of you. And if you failed on that one, well, let's keep training. Do it again. But what are we going to add? This week, we're going to add this. We're not going to just thank God every day. I hope you do that anyway. And that's because you can't measure that one as well. So here's what we're going to do. Each day this week, I would like for you to find one person or think of one person. I mean, if grace is an action, then we're going we're gonna to need some grace and we're, we're going to need some help. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to find someone and we're going to tell them, either verbally or maybe writing a note, writing an email, a text, instant message, FaceTime, whatever you choose, but find somebody one time a day for the next seven days and tell them how thankful you are for them. Amen. Hard? No. no. Easy? Maybe. But we're not just going to... And, and don't leave here to say, this morning and say, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do that. No. We're going to train. We're going to train to do that. I mean, how many of you can think of somebody right now that probably needs a little appreciation? Amen? Yeah then do it. Then do it. Remember what we said last week? There is no do. There is no try. Either do or do not. No try. Do it. See what it does for them. See what it does for you. And see the difference that it makes in allowing you to maybe gain some s steps of success in actually becoming one of Jesus' disciples. Let's do some thanking this week. Other than before meals or, you know, when the cop doesn't pull out. Because Jesus did that all the time. He modeled it to the disciples and he modeled it to us. He gave thanks to God. 
He acknowledged God as the source of all things. But maybe we need to do a little thanking too. To those around us, they might need a little acknowledgement for what they've done, for who they are, and maybe the, the treasure that they really are in our lives that we sometimes fail to recognize. Sounds silly? Hope not. Will you do it? I don't know. Too proud? Not how you were raised? Don't think you can? Maybe you need some grace. You need some help. Maybe you need a little bit of God acting in your life to accomplish in your life what you cannot accomplish on your own. And if you need some grace, just ask him. He's got plenty to share. He's got plenty to spare. Don't tell him you're going to try. We're not trying. We're training. We're training to do what Jesus did that allowed him to have that amazing connection with his father so that maybe if we do, we can become those apprentices and become like our rabbi. Jeff's back next week. And he's going to ask you how you did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are um, we're humbled and honored to be called Talmudim, disciples, followers of Jesus. And we really want to do things different. Forgive us when we fail, and when we do fail, allow us to draw on that grace that is ours each and every moment of each and every day. And then allow us to look out and see, who do I need to appreciate? Who do do I need to say thank you for who you are, for what you do, the treasure that you really are? And then allow us to do that. These are small steps, but they're steps in the right direction as you are calling us and you're saying, come follow me, be like me. And that maybe when we do, the world can see a better message, a better sermon about the kind of God you really are, how much you love us, the grace that is ours for free and the difference you can really make. May it be so for each of us in this place. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. And I want to encourage you to take the next step in your relationship with God, which might be getting involved with a group of other believers. If you'd like to be a part of what's going on here at Renaissance, then please connect with us on social media or online at renaissancedecatur.org.